Welcome to Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. It's like coffee with an analyst, or it could be whiskey with an analyst reading a spreadsheet, linking crime events, identifying a series, and getting the latest scoop on association news and training. So please don't beat that analyst and join us as we define the law enforcement analysis profession one episode at a time. Thank you for joining me. I hope many aspects of your life are progressing. My name is Jason Elder, and today we are interviewing the candidates for the 2023 IACA Vice President of Administration. There are three candidates. We are going to interview all three candidates and publish all three interviews at once. So please listen to all three and vote. With me today is Annie Mitchell. Annie, how are we doing? Oh, we are great, even though unwinding from that incredible conference. <laughs> yes, and you made it home safe, I take it? Yes, I did. Actually, a very smooth flight for a change. Those guys have been a little bit tough really recently. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I was nervous, too, because I was American Airlines, and there's all yes. that chatter about them going on strike or whatnot, so I thought maybe I was hitchhiking home. Yeah, me as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for our listeners, just let's give a quick bio where you're from, current job titles, committees that you're a part of. Certainly. So I started my career in crime analysis in 1987, having started with Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department as a secretary and then a dispatcher. I know I have a number of former dispatchers out there and maybe some that are currently doing double duty. I found that's happened. I was a crime analyst for a number of years and then I became the first intel analyst on the sheriff's department, which was kind of exciting, even though I had no idea what I was doing, but I learned very, very quickly and then went back to patrol, enjoyed that again, and then was promoted to the supervising crime analyst where I retired in 2018. And I continue to work in the field. I'm a trainer and a consultant. I work for California Post and do a a virtual class. Actually, COVID was kind of crazy, but it was good for us because we're reaching out to more people now doing it on Zoom. And I am a contractor with the BJA in the crime analysis community of practice and crime analysis on demand. And I just love it. So you are currently IACA's Vice President of Administration. So why are you seeking re-election? Well, I have a number of reasons. I've done two terms. I didn't say that I had also been the president of the Southern California Crime and Intelligence Analyst Association for a couple of years. Never really saw myself as an IACA board member, but I'm glad I did it. So I figured third time's a charm. This would be (laughs) my third term. However, I have a lot left to do, and part of it is because of, in 2021, the board and a number of committee members went into a strategic planning process. I had done that on the Sheriff's Department, and then I thought it was a great idea when our president, Mary Bercelli, brought that in. And we sat down, and we were there for two days working on a strategic plan, and it's proven to be very beneficial for our association. One of the reasons I want to stay is because one of the things we have not completely finished, I think there's more work to do, is the influence of crime analysis throughout not just the United States, but all of our countries. So what does that look like? So 
at the conference for the first time, we did an executive track. And we had nearly um, 40 executives in the track. We had four agencies that chiefs that had presented on how they utilize their crime analyst. And we got the best feedback from everyone in that class. And some of them stayed, a good number of them stayed for the rest of the conference. And I think all of the analysts listening to this understand it, right? Because you you work and then they they know what you can do individually and you want to show them more, but sometimes they don't let you go outside of your lane. Maybe that's a good way to say that. However, we as a big association, we can influence our chiefs and our lieutenants and everybody that you work with. We want to help you as analysts. So a number of those executives stayed, watched the sessions, came back to us. I had no idea. That was fantastic. We're coming next year to Las Vegas and bringing people with us. So those are the small things that, well, it's actually a big thing. I shouldn't say it's a small thing at all, where now I'm starting to really see the influence spread. We're not doing that. We're also doing that with our international members. We have grown since I became uh, a board member. We had about 3,000 members. We are now over 6,000 and we have brought in so many, you know, international international members that we hadn't had before. And, and I have to give credit to Rachel Carson and her team working on that. And we had 21 countries represented at our conference. So this continuing of just spreading our influence. The other thing I'd like to see is having been in a hiring process and helped other agencies with their hiring process. There's always this question. Well, is is there some certification out there for analysts? Well, there's a number of them. And, but the one that I think I would really like to see as, you know, this could be the one, if they have the IACA certification from doing the CLIA exam, I would like to see that recognized in the United States, Canada, and all of our Latin American countries and all of the European countries. That is another one of my goals that I have not yet finished. So if you were reelected, then you kind of went over it there a little bit, but you know, the, what do you want your first project to be? What particular goals do you want to make sure you achieve first? Well, I also started the regional associations committee and I, and this is funny, and, and if anybody's at the conference and they heard me say this, I walked out there with an idea, a vision, because when I was the president of a, the Southern California Analyst Association, I always felt there was just a disconnect between what the IACA could offer myself as just an analyst and then what they could offer my association, my regional association. So I put together, and I have to thank Erin Wickersham, um, for being the chair because she took it and ran with it. We have since they started, which is over a year now, we're probably in about a year and a half, almost two years. They have onboarded four new regional associations just by reaching out. I think this is really important. We're bringing more of those analysts into our training, into so many different aspects of the IACA that can be helpful for themselves and their agencies and their network. They didn't have networks, a lot of them. So they brought in the uh, Midwest Association of 
criminal intelligence analyst, the Wisconsin Law Enforcement Analyst Network, Mid-Atlantic Regional Association of Crime Analysts. I like that one because it's Maraca, <laughs> the Crime Anal Analysts of Illinois Associations. We have 12 more to go, but I would like to help in getting the entire United States going with the regional association, and we are bringing in international chapters. We have, we haven't, that hasn't taken off yet, but that's another one of my goals as the VP of administration. You said 12 more, so have 12 more applied and they're looking to get established as a RAC? No, there are states that have no association okay. at all, and we do the outreach. Mm -hmm. We so we we're, we reach out to analysts that belong to ICA in those areas and say, would you be interested in? Illinois was one of them. Wisconsin was one of them, where we just started reaching out to people. Said, are you interested in doing this? We will help you. We help them with bylaws. We help with, you know, 501c3. One of the things the committee is working on is, you know, it'd be great is let's bring all the treasurers together because, you know, that's not something we normally all do. And they, they want to know how we want to just share. How do you do it? What's the best practice for you? So, yeah, there's there are 11 more states that have nothing. We have brought some back that were they were they were established associations that kind of were. They, their numbers were shrinking and they weren't as active as they had once been. So we're helping them also. Question about the membership dues. It's currently $25 a year and it hasn't changed since the creation of IACA. So given the inflation talk that we hear a lot of today, the equivalent would be about $60 in, in today's dollars. Uh, do you think the IACA should increase its membership dues to fit inflation? Why or why not? No, actually, as a board, those are those are questions that have come up and we've discussed them. Right now, the dues are not what really help bring up our, you know, our balance. So to say, it's the conference that we get most of the money. We don't see a need right now to raise anything in the dues. And there's some members where $25 is about all their, they can afford or their agency is willing to help them pay. I can tell you, I came from LA County Sheriff, um, huge organization, and they wouldn't pay for my dues. I paid for my own. So no, I think we, right now, there's there's actually absolutely no discussion on why we would raise them right now. And ethics question, uh, uh, with the bylaws, ICA ethics process, ethics committee receives a complaint, investigates, and if they're if it's substantiated, it goes to the board. And the idea is not to name and shame, not to get the the person in trouble with their employer. And the I, the ethics committee makes a recommendation on sanctions, and then the board makes the final determination on on those sanctions. But the the executive board is making a decision that the membership doesn't really know anything about, because really the only thing that's given to the membership is that there was so many uh, ethics complaints in a given year. 
So given the fact that the board can reduce the sanctions or change the sanctions of the the ethics committee and there's not really anything given to the the membership on this decision how would you feel about updating the ethics process to be a little bit more transparent you know that's we're all about transparency these days and that's actually a very difficult topic when you talk Mm -hmm. about ethics i'm not sure what exactly that would look like would we want to go into you know, more detail, not just there were, you know, two ethics complaints. Fortunately, in my six years in office, we have only had two ethics complaints. I think that's fantastic. I mean, most of our people are, you know, doing what they need to do and 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 what have you. And it's unfortunate when something is presented to us. Going through the bylaws, and we go through the bylaws, this this board, I will tell you, goes through the bylaws on a very regular basis. And we have a committee chair that is outstanding, and he will bring things to our attention that need to be changed. Ethics has not been one of those things. And you had sent me some of these questions. And when I was thinking about this topic, I started thinking about what if it was me? What if I was the subject of an ethics complaint? So I would, I if I put out there, if the board or we allowed the ethics committee to put out the exact nature of the ethics complaint that came to our attention. Sometimes we all know each other pretty well, and I might be able to say, oh, I know who that had to be, right? Because you may have had some experiences. I don't think there should be much transparency when it comes to that other than we had an ethics complaint, it was reviewed by our ethics committee, and let me tell you, they do a very deep dive and a very, it's not just let me read this letter and make a yes or no. It is it is quite intense as we do in our jobs. So no, I don't I don't think it would be a good idea at all to push that out there. And that's even just is there become a point in time where maybe the seriousness would may deem more more to be said about the case cuz if the sanctions are 3 6 9 months in terms of being suspended with the membership. That's a slap on the wrist. That's certainly mm-hmm. understandable that you you don't need to name and shame maybe there. But does there begin a point that if it's more than a year, if it's five, 10 years that the mm-hmm. the suspension is, I mean, that, that would be held to a very serious offense. And I would think, and I'm, I guess I'll ask the question, at that point in time, do you think the, the membership should be notified of, of what happened? I might throw throw that question back on you. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you have some ideas on what you think you would like to see. I don't mm-hmm. agree with that mm-hmm. at all, because, first of all, we barely get enough people to vote on who their board member is going to be. You know, it's under 5%, and mm-hmm. it's anywhere between 2 and 7%, which I think is just abysmal. I, it bothers me. So I can't imagine putting something like that out where people would vote without knowing what the circumstances were. Yeah. 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 I might throw the recommendation out there that if the if the board changes the the sanctions from what the ethics committee made, like an explanation as to why they made that change. I could see that. No, Jason, I can see that, but in 
the cases that I've been involved with, the two cases, we didn't make any changes to what the ethics committee had proposed. All right, let's go then to, oh, so the, so as you know, the expectation for an executive board member is to volunteer 10 hours a week. And yes. talking with you and other members, it's <laughs> a little bit laughable that you certainly are working more than 10 hours a week. Yes. And given that the, the IACA is now 6,000 plus members, one idea to help out would be to expand the board. And yes. just for a point of reference, ILEA, I think, has about 4,000 members, and they have 11 board members. Yes. And then I, IACA currently just has five. So I wanted to get your idea of expanding the IACA executive board. It has definitely been on the table for the five of us, right, that we said it is getting, sometimes it's very hard to manage. I don't mind giving up you know, more time because I'm retired. That's kind of an advantage of having a retiree on the board because a lot of times I'll take things off their plate if they're in the middle of doing something at work. So yeah, it's definitely something that we have been talking about and we'll see where it takes us. All right. And then how would you make IACA more international? Put the I in IACA. <laughs> Put the I in IACA. Well, <laughs> I think we, you know, we've always talked about it. It always comes up. And I will say having the 21 countries at the conference this year was, that was a win right there. So what we've been doing is we've been working with a number of our government agencies, our federal government. One of them is ISATAP. And if you were to ask me right now what that stood for, I would say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure everybody, it's Ida, Charlie, Ida, Tom, Adam, Paul. There's my dispatch voice coming back. And so they were the ones that brought in the Ukrainian delegation, not only just to the conference, but we had done a webinar for them a while back. So it, Rachel Carson has been working with ISATAP. We've also been working with LATAM, which is the Latin American... Yeah, I don't know. So that is how we have started to grow that. And so that is how the, that outreach. And I actually, Canada just came through because we've been working on them becoming more involved with their regional association. Um, and I just right at the conference, someone said, oh, we got a hold of, of um, Canada and they're going to be working with the uh, regional association committee to kind of become part of the mix. So yes, the more we do this, the more we start bringing in those governmental bodies that have those tools that we may not be aware of. Some are very complicated in worn, torn areas. That is the best way to push that out. And then how should IACA collaborate more with the other analytical groups, say, ILE or the ACIA in the UK, or even the newly formed European Association of Crime Analysts? So we do a lot of that um, already. We do, we've done something, a couple of things with the UK webinar wise. Like I said, COVID brought in all this virtual stuff that we needed to do. And we had some things that were happening 
or they ask for our help. You know, can we use your go to webinar, whatever? So let me tell you, as a board member, we, we would make sure that when we were doing these virtual web virtual webinars for different associations, whether within the United States or internationally, they always wanted one of us to be on the webinar. Well, the time zones are very interesting, like getting up at three o'clock and being front and center in front of a camera with <laughs> 300 people. <laughs> It wasn't, wasn't exactly the easiest thing, but you know what? It was wonderful. So yes, um, we want to encourage any agent, anybody who's bringing in new associations, we have a discussion. We decide if that is something that the IACA should be partnering with. IALEA, we have tried a number of times just so you know. So I'm a member. We're all members of IALEA hey, why don't we do a joint conference, which we think would be outstanding, but we haven't gotten the green light from them yet. But yes, mm -hmm. we are open to those things. All right. So what would winning re-election for VP of Administration mean to you? It's funny because you'd think, actually, my family, my, my adult daughters were like, you told us you weren't going to do this. <laughs> um, and then things will start happening where, Hey, guess what? On our webinars, that's one of the things, our training committee that we've been really expanding um, and new classes and we started doing, now we have learned on Zoom, we can have translation. And so when all those things started happening and having been a part of all that, it's like, well, I kind of want to see this through. So for me, I'm passionate. I'm very excited about, I mean, I'm at the conference and I'm just thrilled and I go, why does this continue to be like something I just need? <laughs> and so I just want to help everyone out there. I think I have a lot of great ideas and I have a lot of foundational experience, which I think is missing at times for some analysts, not some, quite a few. So yeah, I just want to continue to do me. All right, so you know how I like to give folks the last word, so yes. I will give you the last word. If you have a campaign slogan, give it, but Annie, the floor is yours. Okay, so what I'm going to say is, and this is a plug for the Ukrainians, when we met with them, they really love patches and challenge coins. So I am on a campaign to have as many agencies as I can around the world, whatever, in the United States, in Canada, send me their patches and challenge coins. You can email me at the VP of administration and I will give you an address because I plan on sending them a giant box of stuff for them and they would be absolutely thrilled with it. But campaign slogan, never really had one. However, Steve Gottlieb, who was my 1987 instructor and mentor, told me, I have a really good slogan for you. And here it is, people. Get off your fanny and vote for Annie. But please just vote. Well, that's such that's so steep. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Very good, Annie. Thank you for being with me today. It was a pleasure seeing you last week. Good luck in the election and you be safe. Thank you so much, Jason, for what you do. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. You can show your support by sharing this and other episodes found on our website at www.leapodcasts.com. If you have a topic you would like us to cover or have a suggestion for our next guest, please send us an email at leapodcasts at gmail.com. Till next time, analysts, keep talking.